You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Jasper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 52 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast and... Since it's the 23rd of December as this episode releases, we decided to do something a little different. It's sort of a Christmas special where we're going to share how to create holidays for your fantasy setting. So I guess we could start <laughs> off by saying Merry Christmas to everyone, but I have to say that feels a bit weird saying that now that we're recording this in the beginning of December, but well, I guess technically it is Christmas now, isn't it? It is for everyone who's listening, or at least very quick close and i mean heck it's after yule um so after the solstice and kwanzaa and hanukkah and all of those holidays so we're just in the thick of it now at least when you're listening to this for us it's like unstressful early december as we're recording (laughs) so that's kind of funny yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite into the Christmas mood yet. I don't know about you. Well, you have to remember, I just had a two-foot snowstorm today. So oh, I, yeah, that's pretty Christmassy. Yeah, I, I start beginning to at least look a lot like Christmas here. All the decorations are going up for everyone because we're post, post the Thanksgiving holiday in the U.S. And now here in the Northeast, we just got dumped with a huge storm that's lasted over 24 hours and it's still snowing. And I think we're extremely still expecting another foot tonight so my poor dog is like you see his ears and the tip of his tail above the snow and that's it (laughs) it's really kind of sad (laughs) does he like the snow or is it like he wants to avoid it he's a november puppy and where he was where we got him from uh she was a very small breeder a local place in maine And uh, she had something going on in her yard, so she never let the puppies out. So the first time when we brought him home in January is this like this little ball of fur that was like, you know, he fit into a shoe. He was so small. Hmm. Uh, The first thing he experienced was Maine snow winter. He loved it. He acted, he has this Arctic fox thing going on where he actually rears up and pounces like you see foxes and polar bears do. He's had that as a instinct since he was a puppy so he he often he'll hear something and there's a snow he's a current terrier so he's sort of like he's toto in the wizard of oz except he's a little bit bigger and he's a redhead he's gold and so if you can imagine this little fuzzy mop like dog who uh they're bred they're not toys they're not you know ornamental dogs they're actually a working dog one of the oldest breeds in existence where they're from scotland older than scotties and they were bred to get vermin, badgers, and foxes out of carns. Hence, they're called carn terriers. So, oh, nice. yes, he has this amazing hunting instinct. And you let him out, and he hears things under the snow. And he does his little fox pounce and tries to grab it and kill it. Because that's what they do. <laughs> but he, so he, yes, he loves snow. He will go and roll in it uh, during our travels as we've been traveling we were trying so hard to find him snow every month of the year and we did pretty good i think 
August, we managed to find some because we're up in Alaska and there was some still up in the passes. Uh, it's It was kind of a challenge, but we tried to make sure he found snow and got to roll in it and play in it. And he was thrilled. <laughs> mm, nice. So yeah, how we... is your week? I mean, you're not getting two feet of snow, right? <laughs> No, no, no. There's there's no snow here. There was a bit of rain today. Well, it was like a slight, slight, slight snowy uh, oh. snowflakes coming down today, but it was more like half rain. Mm. So it does, doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> and well, we're down to like two degrees Celsius. So it's uh, it's getting cold uh, and it's getting wintry. So, uh, but speaking of uh, puppies, um, yeah, we sp- we spent this past weekend at my brother's and his fiance's place, and they actually have a puppy as well. Aww. So uh, my my boys, they or our boys, they really really liked it. I, I, I think <laughs> it's the the puppy is. Um, uh, it's, it's not used to people staying over. I think this was the first time that somebody stayed over uh, for a weekend uh, in his lifetime. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Actually, the Saturday morning, the puppy was kind of, it was so stressed out that it got sick. So we were throwing up Saturday morning and stuff like from all the attention. And, you know, the puppy doesn't have any filters to to, to stop playing, right? So if somebody right. want to play, just keeps playing. But it's, it's still quite small, so it needs to rest, but it can't figure out how to rest. So It just falls cool. over and sleeps. <laughs> yeah, well, no, they had to carry it upstairs Aww. and put it into, so into a room up there so it could sleep because as, as long as it was downstairs with the rest of it, it just wanted to play all the time. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it got a bit sick, but then, uh, yeah, it slept for half, half well, parts of, of Saturday and then it felt better again and then the boys got to play some more with the puppy there so they really enjoyed that it was it was a nice weekend we we enjoy going there and uh, my brother and his fiance they're, they're such great hosts you know they go out of their way to make sure that you feel welcome every time you're there so it, it's really nice that sounds wonderful that definitely sounds like a, a nice family visit and hopefully your boys are satisfied with just visiting the puppy and not going to be bothering you for your own little canine companion yeah <laughs> they were already telling my wife when we were there <laughs> so i think maybe you should start considering getting a puppy or actually the, the oldest <laughs> one of our do- uh, our boys actually started out differently he was he was trying to be sneaky so he was asking my wife stuff like uh, don't you think it's cute don't you really like it? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if you could pet it every day? You know, he was trying to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kudos to him. He's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to get her to say that she really liked it because, well, of course, she did. But uh, we're not going to get a dog. But uh, he was trying to ease it, ease her into saying that she wanted a dog too. But he didn't <laughs> succeed. <laughs> oh, you guys, you know what he's coming from, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but that's, I mean, it was a very nice weekend. Um, but uh, also, even though it's nice and relaxing and, and all that, you know, when you're out from your own house, and especially me, the older I get, if I don't sleep in my own bed at night, I get really tired. I, I have a trouble sleeping if I'm not in my own bed. So uh, this morning, Monday morning here, we're recording this Monday evening, but this morning I was very very tired when i got <laughs> up but uh, but i still managed to get all the final stages of the character creation process done for our next fantasy series so i'm pretty i'm pretty psyched about that yes i saw that show up in my inbox i was like darn it you know i gotta get to looking at that i even haven't opened it up yet today but 
I will. Oh, well, maybe tonight after uh, we, I make dinner and put everything away, I'll take a peek and see what you created. And I can't wait to give you feedback and start working on this a bit more. Yeah, I, I also cannot wait to get into the fiction writing again. Although <laughs> I guess we have to say we have quite a lot of bits <laughs> and pieces to finish up with courses and nonfiction books before we get that far. But but it's good to just make some progress in the background on, on the fiction stuff as well. Absolutely. I think sometimes the plotting is at least keeps it going, which is exciting and makes it still feel connected. A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Uh, so I posted a pretty interesting article on, on Patreon about writing in a noisy or a silent environment. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to go into all the details of, of that article there, but uh, those on Patreon can, of course, read it. But among other things, um, it said that most people reach peak performance under moderate noise conditions, like 70 decibels. Um, and that just happens to be roughly the equivalent to the chatter in a typical coffee shop or restaurant on a relatively busy day. So that, that was a bit interesting, but <laughs> Sage's comment really made me laugh because, <laughs> because he said, well, uh, he cannot write during silence or while listening to music. Instead, he said, the sound of politicians is usually perfect <laughs> as meaningless background chatter. <laughs> so I thought that was so awesome. <laughs> that is really great. Yes, I, could, I, I don't know if streaming, um, you know, the U.S. government would really inspire me, but I guess it makes good background babble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, meaningless chatter, that was what he called it. I yeah. thought that was so great. <laughs> and he's from the U.K., and it's funny because I enjoy the U.K. parliament compared to the U.S. They slam each well, other they're, and They're scream. shouting and oh all kinds of Oh, my gosh. Stuff. It's intense. It's it's. I did not understand politics until actually I spent a year in England, and it all made sense because you know it's the size of the like a U.S. state, but it's a country, and suddenly it's like, oh, this is how it all works. The U.S. is just too big, and they don't get riled up or passionate. But oh yeah, UK, awesome. So I think I'd get end up getting caught up in the accents and everything else going on if I was listening to that as my my background noise. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think i'll pass on that one but i thought it was very funny <laughs> yeah, i thought it's very funny i was really excited actually in the facebook group that arthur had posted a question on wanting to find a font that looked like a computer speaking because you know me in oh, fonts yeah. so yeah i was just about to say fonts that's your thing so that is i was like oh typography so I mean, there were some good suggestions but oh thank you arthur for posting about fonts it made my day so i i enjoyed that and i enjoyed the suggestions and that you know some people actually linked to a whole bunch of free fonts which i'm not going to go look at right this second but it's very tempting yeah. yeah, but but I guess with fonts, you, you have to be really careful, right, in, in making sure that they are actually free to use also. Because one thing I think, unless I'm mistaken here, you're, you're an expert here, so correct me, Autumn, if I'm wrong. <laughs> but I think sometimes you can actually find fonts that are free, but they're not free for commercial use, right? So correct. I, I think you need to be careful here, right, that, that even though yeah, you find it free, you need to check that it's a commercial free font before you start using exactly. it for a book. Yes. 
Sometimes it's free for personal use or free for, you know, commercial use. You definitely, most of them come with a license and you just need to read that really quickly and make sure it is actually free to use like on a book cover and mm. go with, go with that. Or if it's free to use on a, on your book cover, but not free to use if you are making book covers to other people, it's lots of layers and most people will answer them for you and you know, you can always go to actually my favorite font resource is called what the font. So there is a fabulous <laughs> forum. <laughs> it's, it is, it's WTF. So uh, there's a fabulous forum on what the font um, and people are font experts and they ask, they'll answer questions and they'll help you track down fonts, which I won't admit how many times I have done that. Um, but hmm. They will help you figure out all that stuff. So if anyone has a question, um, I highly recommend what the font as a very good resource. And plus it's, fun to get to say that to other people <laughs> <laughs> although I, I really don't know how they would police if you're using uh, you know a font that isn't allowed for commercial use but you, if you let's say just you accidentally used it on your cover I, I really don't know how they would police it I, I don't I don't imagine anybody sitting and going through all the covers on on Amazon just to make sure but uh yeah, I think of, of would... course. Anyway, we need to make sure we're always compliant with uh, with licenses and whatnot. But I, I'm just wondering how they would actually figure it out. I think it would be the random chance of someone finding it and questioning it, and then asking to see your license. Um, and because obviously you could possibly be using it legally because you paid for the license, which is usually mm. what happens. So it, I can't imagine the challenge. I don't make fonts. Um, I'd love to make a couple of fonts, but I can see the challenge for licensing that I think I'd just do it for myself or I'd just let it free for use. And yeah, I wouldn't want to go there. <laughs> No, and, and I mean, how many times has it happened that anybody approached you to ask for if you had the license for any of the fonts you're currently using? Right, never, never. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm just wondering how how that would all work. But yeah, who knows? Um, I should also mention that as we're recording this episode, we just had the monthly Q and A, uh, where Patreon supporters at the five dollar tier can get their questions answered. But there's uh, loads more rewards for those who support the Am Writing Fantasy podcast on Patreon. So head on over and check that one out, if you please. And uh, there is a link in the uh, show notes, I was about to say. I guess that's right this time. <laughs> Last yeah, time I called right. it the description field. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so check that one out. Uh, there is lots of good stuff over on Patreon. And on to today's topic. Yeah, so we thought it was very much on point to talk about holidays now that we are just the day before Christmas. That's uh, right. So holidays is, I, I don't know, may, maybe maybe some people find it a bit complicated or they make it a bit complicated. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, I think that the, the process we use, Autumn, it's, it's fairly simple. I think so too. And I mean, obviously I think there's some people who just immediately assume you're going to have all the same holidays uh, that we have in this world, in your fantasy world. And if you're not writing on earth or about earth or earthlings, I think you're pretty much free to come up with something new. And that to me is so much more fun, but yes, we we've developed our, we've each done it on our own. And then we've developed a process together that I think makes sense and makes it easy and it's always, to me, it's fun. It's so much, it's a fun aspect of world building to be able to create a holiday. 
Yeah, and uh, the, the process that we've we've developed together here for for how to do it is actually going to form part of the um, uh, <laughs> world building course. course. <laughs> yeah, that we're gonna. I was hesitating there because I was trying to think when I could say that that's gonna be done, but yeah. I don't want to do that. Maybe our goal? sometimes in twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, our goal. We've talked about a goal, and we would love to have it out this summer. So, or the summer of twenty twenty. So, fingers crossed, and kick us in the butt, and that's still my goal. So, we'll see <laughs> if we can make that happen. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get that course out. I truly I think know. it's going to help a lot of uh, authors uh, with with the with the world building, um, and it's of course going to be a full step by step course that that's going to take you through everything you need from from basically building a fantasy world from scratch. But we are going to talk much more about that once we have something concrete. But for now, at least, we just sort of plucked out one topic from that course, and that was uh, <laughs> about the holidays. So we could just talk you through how we do it, and it, it is actually rather simple um, and I think where we start is by looking at the history of your world so just like in the real world here as Autumn said you know usually our holidays are linked to something that happened in the past um, whether you believe in <laughs> in that happening or not is not not really the point but uh, but if you look at your the history for your fantasy world, and then try to find some past event that people would be celebrating. Then uh, that's that's the starting point. And you just uh, have a bit of siren there. Yes, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe that was uh, <laughs> uh, maybe that that's inspiration for a holiday or something. Oh, it could definitely be a inspiration for a very dramatic event. I know I've read some really good. <laughs> holidays in short stories especially science fiction that were actually from huge like not necessarily terrorism events because i don't want to think about september 11th but a big event like if we had celebrated the hindenburg um exploding and the aftermath of that and you know there's things that mark you know big dramatic and tragic events and then of course there's ones that mark maybe the birth of a mythical character or of course, I like astronomy. So if you happen to have several moons and they come into conjunction with the sun and suddenly you have this amazing eclipse or, you know, like the changing of the times, like with the solstice that just happened on the 21st, I definitely, I've always liked, I've always preferred the solstice um, and the equinoxes as big holidays because I'm very scientific and they're very visual and that works for me. I know when something happened and that we're at that point of the year where we just went through the longest day or the longest night, the shortest day, the darkest part of the year. And now every day is going to get lighter and brighter. That's so exciting for me. I can celebrate that one wholeheartedly. Uh, No religion necessary. So that's one of the fun things I think that we're trying to say here about holidays is they don't have to be religious. Obviously, if you do no, have gods no. or gods and you want to have some mythical events around their life and death or birth or something like that, you can have that sort of holiday. But yeah. it can just be the birth of a great hero. It can. And it, it can also be like a past military event. You know, maybe it's celebrating the end of a war or at some point a famous battle happened and that's what people are celebrating. Or it could also be like, purely scientific like discovery items you know or maybe maybe they found a new land on uh, at that date and that's what they're celebrating or somebody figured out how to use use magic on that date that's also pretty important i guess yes. or 
discovery of an ancient race or artifact or something like that. I, I think that you can basically pick anything, but I think that the important thing when you're picking something is that it's some it's somehow re- relevant maybe as a backstory to the story that you're telling so that it's 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 within the confine of uh, within the frame of the story or that you're telling that it's relevant in one way or another i think that's that's the trick to try to pick something uh, like that ra- rather than something completely out on left field that doesn't really have any difference whatsoever so what do you mean? Like it fits the content of the story just so other people like, do you mean it's because the character is at an event, like the festivity and something happens or that the event itself, like the historic battle that actually ended and caused this event um, is also related to something hidden in some kind of subplot that's bubbling up under the surface and that people are actually discontent or this is actually taking place in the suppressed nation that lost and they want to, they're kind of celebrating with their teeth gritted saying, yeah, yay, we <laughs> lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't have to. It, it can, of course, be so that the that the, the event is actually something in the story is going to take place at that event. It, it can, of course, be that. But what I actually meant by it was more like that it shows off parts of the world that is relevant for the story. So maybe as an example, um, so in our upcoming fantasy series, we have the mages have actually trapped. A, a dark god in like a prison cell uh, and the problem is that this cell needs to be charged because otherwise if it's uh, losing its um, if it's losing its power then the dark god can escape so the batteries so is, run out <laughs> yeah exactly batteries running out basically more or less yeah so so what we then have is that we have once a year they need to recharge these batteries uh, and there is like an event around doing that. So it's it's like a holiday event where some soldiers are doing different activities in order to recharge those batteries. So so it, it's not really directly related to what the protagonist ex- is experiencing in the story, but it, it adds to explaining that, okay, there is a dark god uh, imprisoned here and they need to charge the cells and it, apparently it's dangerous if, if the dark god gets out and all that. So it. It's sort of it's it's a nice way to build in frame or or world building elements without you having to go into actually you know explaining what this is about and on by the way within that tower there's a dark god and blah <laughs> blah 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 you know so by having it as a, as a celebration you can make it part of what is it, it's part of action almost that you actually explaining parts of the background or, or for example also with the famous battles if that's what you want to do you know it could be in order to set up and explain to the reader that actually these two nations where maybe the protagonist belongs to one of them these two nations hate each other and potentially there some war is going to break out or something uh, because there was wars in the past you know so it could be something like that where where you're sort of layering in world building that supports the story but it doesn't have to be because it's directly related to the plot but more it's it's more like background information that it, you get an excuse to deliver background information in other words it's like a 
fantastic way of showing the reader something about the world instead of telling the reader about some backstory and past is a fantastic yep, exactly. way of, yeah, avoiding the info dump, which we've talked about in a different podcast, and yep. <laughs> instead diving right into showing an action in, you know, the reader or the characters actually living through the event, which is much more exciting than hearing about some piece of archaic history. Exactly right, yeah. So I think, so once you've decided on an event, uh, then you need to ask yourself how important this holiday is. So uh, we've we've sort of spec'd it out on three different levels. So either you can say mm-hmm. that it's, it's a major event that if basically affects everyone in society. And if that's the case, you need to ask yourself, how long does this uh, holiday last? Is it like days or is it weeks of celebration or what is it? And, and also, does it require any special form of preparation? Or you could say that it's a minor event that own, that affects a considerable number of people in this society, but it does not require much preparation and it isn't like a notable investment for people to, to basically celebrate. Or thirdly, the holiday could merely be something trivial that maybe only lasts a few hours and, and most people don't even bother to participate. So so that's sort of the next step to define how important is this uh, to, to society. I'm currently going for the Viking Yule log that has to burn for 12 days. So you cut down an entire tree. That is what the holiday I'm going for right now. But <laughs> I, I think I want to celebrate that 12 days off of work because it is my holiday. Yeah, go argue. Like a good excuse. <laughs> I, as long as I can take my laptop and sneak it in the corner, we'll be good. But yeah. and I agree. I mean, the other options. Yeah, you're right. So you could have something that maybe you just need to cook a special meal and go to the temple and leave it in front of your ancestors, or you know, is it something where you basically need to sit down for five minutes and say a prayer? You mumble through it really quickly. No, you're done. Hey, let's get back to work. Yeah, and, and basically the, the level of significance of the holiday is important because it allows you to determine, of course, both how widespread and common the holiday is, but also how time-consuming it is. Because if it is an important holiday that, that requires a lot of um, preparation, well, well, now it's the 23rd of December, right? So <laughs> you've probably just been through all of it. It's, it can be quite stressful to prepare for holidays. Well. and. Uh, <laughs> You can uh, you can put your character through the same, right? It, it's a good story trigger to maybe have some conflict between characters who was, and while they're arguing about some preparation work for the holiday or what to wear or what it may be, right? So it, it's it can be a good trigger for a bit of conflict there. For some reason, I'm visualizing the conflict between the one character who hasn't started their preparation yet and um, the one who is going, what the heck are you so bugged? Where are you going to get to? The- Those should have been done by now. So <laughs> that might be because I'm the slacker in my family. So <laughs> hopefully by the 23rd when we're recording this, I'll be ready for the upcoming holidays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> dear reader, dear listener, uh, please check in and ask how I did. <laughs> 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 yeah, so uh, so once you get that far, um, then you decide on one element that will make this holiday stand out. Mm. So this could, of course, be like the type of clothing people wear. Maybe, well, we just talked about like a special contest that, that that's sort of what we did with, with our upcoming fantasy right. world here. Um, or it could be, I don't know, ritual sayings, prayers, maybe they eat something special. 
That's what I was about to say. Because you know I'm a foodie. So yes, a special (laughs) dish that you have to prepare. Or, you know, is there a procession? That's always an interesting one. That could be even play into not just a one day, but a multiple day. You have to go on a trek to reach this temple and it takes three days and you have to do this as you pass this thing and this as you pass. You don't want to get too cumbersome and detailed, but you know, the more chance if this is really a huge aspect and an important part of your story, there's a lot of issues here that you can pull out and make some tension and drama, especially if someone bumps over the, you know, one temple they're supposed to be, you know, worshiping at. That would be me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the, the key here is maybe this is the tripwire, basically, uh, because the key is to try to find something that isn't boring, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah... I I mentioned clothing people wear, but if if that's what you do, you know, make it something very unique and awesome clothing. Something yeah. that's not like yeah, then they put on a blue apron or whatever. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be something. What you're going for is something that both um, fits within the context of the culture that the character belongs to, but also at the same time something that is remarkable and maybe maybe will just make the reader go, wow, this is awesome, right? That, yeah. that, so you need to try hard a bit here to, to come up with something that is special in one way or another. I mean, a ritual saying, a prayer, yeah, that you could do that as well, but then try to figure out how can I make it something like, well, the, where the reader will say, okay, that's not a type of prayer I've seen before, you know, yes. um, because otherwise it's just boring. Yeah, People think think around the Christmas tree, it's just boring. <laughs> Yeah, you need something new, something more, much more exciting. And I mean, if you need inspiration, you know, Google some archaic, uh, you know, some different celebrations from around the world, Mayan, Inca, go look at some of the Native Americans and Polynesian islands and see what some of the costumes or the foods or what's going on there, because it's really inspiring to see how other Native cultures have celebrated over the years, because it, it's really a lot of fun. And it may give you some ideas because this, if you're going to spend the time to show this to readers, you really want to bring out something that kind of is stands out that makes you go, Oh, this is important. Even if it's just, I mean, if it's a tiny little, you know, five minute ceremony and you just mentioned it in passing, Again, it should have an importance in the story, but make sure that there's something else going on there as well. Hmm. Yeah. So once you get to that stage, all that's left to do is to give the holiday a really cool name. And uh, of course, if you create a name that for, well, for example, it could be maybe a name of a person or a place that the reader hasn't yet heard of. Uh, that that could be a good way to add a bit of mystery to it and make the reader wonder what that might be about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think it's good to have a name that it's that some in some one way or another, I guess, raises a question in the reader's mind. That that that's that's a good name. That makes sense, or at least makes them think that this is such an interesting, you know, holiday. I've always liked uh, the candle. The holiday in Celtic is Umbaluk, and I hear that one and like, oh, that what sounds cool. <laughs> is that exactly? It's like, wow, I don't know what it is, but I want to go celebrate it. Or, of course, one of my favorite actual holidays, and that's coming up tomorrow as you're listening to this, is Yobuka Flood, which is the Icelandic tradition of reading a story on Christmas Eve. So, yeah, you can easily find some amazing holidays, but it's the ones that are fun to say and kind of go, 
what is that? That that's kind of cool. You don't want to just make it something difficult to pronounce. No, yeah, that was exactly what I was about to say. I mean, it's not fine with cool names, and because the same <laughs> thing applies for when you're naming characters. Absolutely, it's fine with cool names, but it has to be something that you need. Try to read it out aloud yourself, and if you're stumbling over the words, then it's no good. <laughs> it has to sort of flow quite quite well. Yes, there's nothing wrong with naming something like the Black Candlemas or something if it works and fits whatever you're trying to evoke. That's fine. English is an acceptable language in writing. <laughs> yeah, but, but but the thing is just that sometimes words look cool written, mm-hmm. but then they are very difficult to pronounce. Or you might or the reader might be in doubt on how you're supposed to pronounce it. And and there's nothing worse than the reader actually stopping reading to start wondering I how am I going to pronounce this word, right? I mean, then they just you just pull them out of the story so that you don't want that to happen. No, no, it should all flow pretty smoothly. And you don't want them wondering. You want them maybe wondering a little bit about the history. You know, they want to be curious about what's going on, not curious about how do you pronounce this and why the heck are you delving into this holiday and showing it to me? It better have an important aspect to the story. So those are the yeah. key points. Yeah, I agree. And, and then, of course, with holidays, also think a bit wider in the sense that holidays are often shared across borders. So, for example, if you have, you know, maybe two nations uh, who are at war with each other, then maybe the holidays, the one time a year where they actually have a momentary peace between them while, for that week that the holiday takes place or, or something. But But just be mindful, at least, that neighboring countries and even maybe even further widespread within your world they holidays do cross borders so um, so that's that's important to think about at least of course that's what i've always loved the stories of the christmas eve peace treaties that were made between front lines in the world war 1 and world war 2 I think that's always a spectacular example of something that crosses boundaries and actually pauses a war. But of course, you can also have opposing holidays where if someone thinks another country that there's already a lot of friction, maybe they don't quite celebrate it on the same day or the same way. And so if you're trying to build some tension, you can actually create tension through the use of holidays in your story as well. So that, you know, two people from opposing cultures are either arguing about the day or that, no, you can't use that spice or no, that's not how you prepare that. So you can always have some fun um, if you need to add some arguments in there as well, because goodness knows if anyone was celebrating Thanksgiving and, you know, family traditions don't necessarily work all that well when you're blending your family together. <laughs> it's always trouble, right? <laughs> in my world, there always seems to be trouble. I don't know why that is. I should start focusing on peaceful times, but uh, no one's going to read that, right? Yeah. But but I, I guess, I mean, that, that's more or less it. So I, I hope and I guess that you can see that it does not have to be complicated or time-consuming to create a holiday for your fantasy setting. I, I think that the main thing is that you that you find that hook that makes sense for the story you're telling and, and, and that fits with the world and the culture of the character. Um, and that might take a bit to figure out what what is best. But as I said, up at the top, your world's history is a good starting point. So uh, looking into that should probably give you inspiration of, of what to build. But uh, 
but it does not have to be complicated and time consuming. No, and I will go back to that if you don't want to do the history and you have gods and you do have religions, and obviously with those, you will probably be coming up with some sort of holiday. And that does give you a lot more leniency. Like I said, it could be a god's birth and other things like that. But don't forget, you can foreshadow it. You could have a holiday that they think in some future date, something big is going to happen on this date. So everyone gathers together in kind of anticipation of this big event. So there's so many ways that you can bring a richness to your world and to your characters of events that are going to happen and kind of tease out the nuances and maybe it'll fit with your world and how you're building things. And it definitely though should somehow fit with your plot and something, something big is going to happen there. Yeah. So this was a bit of a lighthearted, like world building episode for you here just before Christmas. So hopefully you got a bit of uh, inputs for your world building and how to create holidays for your own setting here. Uh, and next Monday I will be interviewing one of the biggest and most successful indie authors in the world, and that is Adam Croft. I'm so excited about this one. (laughs) Yes, it's going to be awesome. And uh, Adam will join the Am Writing Fantasy podcast and talk about read-through and how it can revolutionize your book sales. So that's a holiday treat waiting for you next Monday. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.